The first time I I did mushrooms, it was basically like Lisa Frank vomited all over the world and there, there were gridded rainbowed flower of lives everywhere connecting everything. Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Endorphins. You just heard from Kaylee Alyssa. I am so excited to have Kaylee as a guest on the podcast. She's an internationally renowned yoga teacher and entrepreneur. Kaylee is also sponsored by Aloe Yoga, which is one of my favorite fitness brands, lifestyle brands. I'm obsessed with all the Aloe Yoga apparel, and I also am a subscriber to the Aloe Moves platform, which is a series of workout videos, meditation videos, sound baths, everything you can think of. And Kaylee is also an instructor on Aloe Moves, so I love taking her classes. You guys should all check it out. This episode gets into some controversial topics like psychedelics, for example. I just want to put it out there that I am not in any way encouraging the use of psychedelics or trying to get my listeners to explore taking psychedelics. The purpose of our conversation was really to have a discussion that explores Kaylee's own personal use with psychedelics and talk about how psychedelics can physically alter the mind. And there's a lot of emerging research within the psychedelic community around the benefits of microdosing, especially for those who experience severe and chronic depression or traumas such as PTSD. So there is a lot of interesting work going on right now around the use of psychedelics. But that aside, if you are interested in experiencing what it's like to be on psychedelics, Kaylee shares some tips for how to be in the right set and setting. We also talked about Kaylee's experience making pretty big life choices and how she decided to make a pivot in her career and how she had to rely on her gut to do so. And lastly, we talked about Kaylee's own yoga practice, how she teaches astroflow yoga and writes her own cosmic yoga nidras. I personally did not know a lot about cosmic yoga nidra before we recorded, so it was really interesting to learn about what the yoga nidra practice is and how it differs from a traditional meditation. Before we get into the interview, I have a brief message from my sponsor, Inker. Hi, Kaylee. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Back, you know, I guess five or six years ago, we practiced at this rooftop yoga class in New York. And this was, I think, before you were involved with Aloe Yoga, potentially, it was a while ago, almost six years ago. And I mean, I remember taking your class. It was so great. So it's it's really fun to be back with you today. I think that was an Earth Day event, right, for Mind Body Green? Yes, I must. I found out about it probably through like that website or through like some event, right? It's funny because that was, you know, six years ago, but this morning I was able to take an aloe moves class that you have on the platform. It was the circular flow. It was a good awesome. one. Yeah. Yeah. I've been with aloe for like eight years now. So it's been a long time, but, um, but yeah, the, I remember that class. I remember going out there and, um, it was really cool. We stayed at the one, the one hotel, I believe. Yeah. It was really fun. And I think it was like sunset yoga. Yes. So the, this, it was just so beautiful. And we have a picture together. I don't know the pose, but you're lying on your back and your legs are kind of like hoisting me up and I'm yeah. moving. Um, You're doing a bird. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember you were nervous to try that. <laughs> yeah, I was because I was afraid it was going to fall. But hopefully yeah. one day 
in a post-COVID world, I can take one of your classes in person again, if you're, you know, still teaching uh, by then. I would love that. Today, we have so much to cover. You right now are an entrepreneur, a yoga instructor, a businesswoman, but prior to all of this, you were working in finance. So can you talk a little bit about what that shift looked like in your career? Yeah, I love talking about this because I feel like you know, there's, there's women everywhere and people everywhere who are considering making shifts in their life. And so for me, it was something that, you know, I always say this, but you can either get pushed in a certain direction or you can jump and you can actually make the leap yourself. And I got pushed in the direction of, of yoga and, you know, everything that I'm into now, which I feel very lucky because I didn't necessarily have to make this massive leap and leave one career and jump into another. Um, I was working at Wells Fargo Private Bank, I was a trust associate, and we had this big merger with Wachovia um, back in the day. And at the time, a bunch of people from the private bank got let go, and I ended up getting, I don't know, three months severance or something like that. And um, so it was kind of the best of both worlds. I hated my job. <laughs> I did not like working in finance. You know, I was a science major. Um, I mattered in business, but I never thought I would be in finance. It just kind of happened after college and um, you know it was good money and I had a 401k and all the all the things um, so when this happened it was it was a blessing in disguise and I was already teaching yoga on the side just as something to do I had opened a yoga studio with um, with a friend of mine we were co-leasing from a space in San Fran and it was a maternity boutique that we were partnered with and they ended up going bankrupt belly up so we lost as as um, sub lessors. You kind of you don't have any rights really um, once the master lessor goes bankrupt. So we learned a lot in that process. And so here I am. I've you know the yoga studio has gone bankrupt. I'm on you know I have severance from this big job in finance, and I'm teaching just privately. And at the time, my ex husband told me, Hey, I want to move to LA. I want to go to graduate school at UCLA. And so I never wanted to live in LA. I was so upset about it. I was like, you know, throwing tantrums and and all of it. And um, we ended up moving. And I got to LA, and I was still in this mindset where like I had to figure out what my job was going to be. I needed to figure out what I was doing. I had a college degree. I still I had no clue what I wanted to be doing. And I still just was continuing my practice. I was going to yoga classes in LA. And I thought I might as well just teach here or something to do until I figure it out. And so I started teaching. I started teaching at a small little studio in Venice called Surya Yoga. And then I started getting jobs at other places at, um, you know, Power Yoga East, which is a donation-based studio by Brian Kest and, and Yoga Works and Aloe Yoga and, you know, all the other things. And there was just one point when I stopped and I looked and I was, you know, looking at my life and looking around and I was like, I'm... I'm a yoga teacher, like I'm a full-time yoga teacher now, and it just kind of happened. I just got pushed in that direction, and all the pieces fell into place, really. It was, it was, I was at the right place at the right time and with the right people, and, and it felt really good to be doing that. I, I, I say this all the time as well, but I say follow the good feels, and that's exactly what I did. I just kept following what felt good as opposed to what didn't feel good, like finance. Now I'm here. <laughs> So really following that gut intuition yeah, and focusing. So how, how can we identify those feelings? Cause I, I, I feel like it's so much easier when you look back on, ex, on an experience to say, oh, I just had to follow my gut feeling. I had to follow this intuition, but it's so hard to identify that in the present to know that's the right decision that you're making. And especially right now, 
I'm graduating college. A lot of my listeners are young adults who are in college and not knowing exactly what they want to do when they graduate. And there's all these big life decisions that need to be made at what's, you know, we're at such a young age. So what was that gut intuition like? It's a great question. And I would also say, yes, you are young and you're making big life decisions, but I'm still making big life decisions and I'm 36, you know, and that, I don't think that ever stops and you can always shift. You can always pivot. You're not stuck. If you make a decision and it's the wrong one, that's okay. You can go another direction. So just know that. I think that was the biggest thing for me too about I was feeling so much stress and pressure to get it right and get it right the first time and to not waste not waste my time and you know to, to start on my career, my journey. And um, it really doesn't matter. And I think we're constantly, I mean, I'm a Scorpio, so I'm constantly like, you know, birth, life, death, rebirth, looking for the next thing. But I, I think that's in us. And, you know, none of us are going to pick one job and stick with it the rest of our life forever and always. Maybe a few, but realistically these days, that doesn't happen much anymore. We're all multifaceted and multi-talented and we all want to pursue multiple endeavors and, you know, this is important and I think it's fulfilling for us. And so I would just say that first piece. Um, and then in regards to your intuition and your gut, your instinct, you know, I, it was, it was tough for me for a while. I was kind of lost. I was going through a divorce. My high school sweetheart and I were together for 15 years. We were divorcing. I was brand new to LA. I had never dated another man in my life. You know, I was 14 when I started dating my ex. So I was in Los Angeles, newly single, yoga teacher. And I, I didn't really know what my intuition was. I was in a place where I'm like, I, I just needed to go crazy a little bit. I lost it. I actually lost it a little bit. And that was okay. You know, I needed to be, I needed to be wild and I needed to experience things I hadn't experienced before and just allow myself a time to like have that. I didn't go crazy in college. I, I never did anything like that before, you know? What does that look like in LA? What, what were you doing that just, you know, you felt like you were letting loose a little bit and really taking the time to explore things you were interested in or do things for yourself for fun? Yeah. Well, I think, I think because of that, I, I lost my intuition a little. Like I was, I was just doing anything because it was presented to me really. And because I hadn't had the experience, and so I might as well have the experience, you know, like going to Burning Man and uh, going on like a three-day acid bender at Burning Man, you know, or crazy stuff like that that I just, I really had never thought I would do in my entire life. And so I dated, I dated an actor. I, you know, I did the quintessential LA experience and um, had an open relationship. It turned into a five-year relationship and we eventually closed it. But I think that I needed to experience losing myself because I never had found myself before. I, you know, I was 14 when I started dating my ex. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my intuition was. And so I had to lose it in order to then start to crawl my way back to finding it slowly but surely. And, and that was a process for me. It took many years and many times learning the same lesson over and over again. But the constant throughout all of it was my yoga practice and the development of the meditational component of my yoga practice. The meditation aspect didn't come until later on. At first for me, I went to yoga for the physicality and for the workout, and there was this subtle work in happening the whole time. And, you know, that was my one consistent piece throughout all of the years of crazy and LA and all the things that I did was, was the yoga and the meditation started to get deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, and then I did other things like I sat for Vipassana for, 10-day silent retreat, and I, I did, um, you know, different meditation trainings with Johnny Pollard, and my yoga nidra training with Jana Romer, and 
I just started really to dive in um, in transcendental meditation training as well. And I think that helped me to get quiet enough to just hear my intuition, to even be able to like hear it, you know? And um, I also did Hoffman process, which was a pretty profound experience for me. Can you talk a little bit more about what that is? Yeah. So Hoffman is, I, I highly recommend it. There's some things that are really wild and strange, and then there's some things that are awesome too. But basically, it's a week-long introspective dive into your patterning, your conditioning. So um, the habitual patterns that you've acquired from your primary caretakers, whether it be your parents or if you were adopted or your grandparents, whoever. But what, the, what they expose within you is patterns that you've either just completely adopted identically. So say, you know, my dad um, sort of like cut and run when things got hard and just bounced. Maybe I do that too, identically. Maybe I'm just like, oop, I'm out, it's too hard. Or maybe I do the opposite and I overcommit and I stay too long than is good for me, too long than is healthy for me. I do the complete opposite of what he did. Or I call someone else into my life, like my romantic partner typically, or friends, who will just reenact the pattern for me so that I don't have to. And so you look at these things and you look, you walk yourselves through your parents' life from when they were born until now and as much detail as you can recall, as much as you can remember and imagine and it, it's just so enlightening. It's, I recommend before having a family or doing anything like that, you do Hoffman Process. It's, it's really a powerful experience. Really interesting you bring this up because actually the other night I was talking to a friend of mine about how our parents grew up and how they, their background kind of, you know, subconsciously shaped the way in which I engage with the world. Like the way that you're raised, your environment very much impacts who you are and how you, the perspectives that you have and how you see the world. Right. So I think that's, you know, super important. And it was really fun last night talking to my friend because I, you start to realize as you get older that your parents are human as well or let's say whoever your caretakers are, like they're just human. Now having that that shift in understanding about, you know, how I maybe view my parents as people rather than parents, if right. that makes any sense, it's, it's very eye-opening and allows you to kind of have a better understanding of yourself, like why you behave a certain way or the certain qualities that you adopt from your parents or the people that you're around with all the time. So that must have been such like a, you know, a really incredible experience for you to have that opportunity. It's, it's really mind blowing to put yourself in that space and to see, Oh, I did, a, I do that just like my mom. I do that. Or I'm doing the complete opposite which isn't necessarily good either, you know? And so it's finding, it's, it's just looking at everything and then seeing, okay, I'm here or I'm here or I want to be here, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, I highly recommend the Hoffman process. I think, the St. Helena location burnt down in the fires this last year, but they, they do have an alternate location that they've established. I want to get a little bit back to talking about how you were going through this really introspective process, you know, while you were kind of letting loose in LA, but also developing your yoga and meditation practice simultaneously. So it seems like there is this symbiotic relationship between the work that you were doing for yourself without maybe even realizing it in the moment while also continuing your yoga practice at being that constant. I'd love to hear a bit more about how your meditation practice became, you know, more integrated with your yoga practice, because I was very similar as well, where I came into yoga as kind of this, the physicality behind it, seeing it more as a workout. And yoga has been really nice for me to just have a space to quiet my mind a bit, 
but I think I'm still on that journey of understanding how to better integrate the meditative qualities of the practice into my own yoga. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's different. Physical asana prepares you for the meditation component. You know, and and if you look into the history of actual asana, it was used for like young army boys in training to get all their like frenetic energy out so that then they could sit and meditate. Um, that especially the vinyasa, you know, all of the chaturanga push-ups, like it's it's wild what we've turned it into here. But that's a whole other tangent. I, I think that for me at least, I, I began to experience it a little bit, like taste of it through my asana. Um, just more like euphoria and contentment, really. And then as I started to train and get deeper into these meditations, then I created space for that type of a practice in my life. So it, it wasn't necessarily combining the two, but it was that one led to the other. And um, and then now, you know, with my meditation, I have a room in my home that's specifically dedicated to meditation. It's very important to me to have and my yoga nidras that I create uh, every month on a monthly basis, you know, so now it's something that if I don't do, I notice if I, if I don't keep my practice up, I feel it. I get anxious. I get stressed out. I get um, temperamental and like, you know, sensitive. And so for me, it's just like brushing my teeth. It's something that keeps me healthy mentally and, and something that I, I need to do regularly. And on top of that, I've also had incredible out-of-body, astral projective <laughs> experiences through meditation that are more profound to me than any sort of psychedelic or any other thing that I've, you know, that I've tried in my life. Um, and so it's just been a portal for me to access other realms and dimensions and to heal. And yeah, it's, it's become a really powerful piece of my life and my partner's life, which is, is really awesome to have a partner who is into that, you know, and, and can practice that and be on the same path. This is a great transition also into talking about your experience with psychedelics because psychedelics now there's a lot of emerging research on the benefits of microdosing mm -hmm. to help individuals with, you know, severe clinical depression or trauma or, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. There's a lot out there about psychedelics and how it alters your brain chemistry and your mind, but really expanding consciousness. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about yeah, this. Right here. Yeah, you have the book. So yeah, no, I mean, I'd love for you to talk about your personal experiences, you know, on psychedelics and what that, what that brought you essentially in, in a change of consciousness or a, a change in perspective. I love that. Um, you know, I didn't dabble with psychedelics until I was in my, I think I was 28 was the first time um, that I did acid of Burning Man. That was my first experience. And then after that, subsequently, I, I um, started to have journeys with psilocybin and journeys not in a um, social context, journeys in a very much so like spiritual context where intentions were set and you know, the space was energetically cleared and everything was meant to be more, more intentional um, and not just like a party experience. And I've also experienced microdosing as well. Um, in fact, my partner's microdosing now and making his own capsules. But basically for me, the first time I, I did mushrooms, it was, it was basically like Lisa Frank vomited all over the world and there, there were gridded rainbowed flower of lives everywhere connecting everything. 
And I didn't really understand at the time what that was, but once I came out of it and once I started to study, you know, my meditation more, I realized that I I, I left the third dimensional reality of matter and physicality and I went into something else. I went into the fourth dimension through my heart into the fifth dimension into where where we can create from energy. You know, everything was energy. And and so I, I literally, I was just crying the whole time. And every time I do mushrooms, I cry because it's so beautiful. I can, it's like a veil is lifted and I can see. So I, it's joyful tears. It's not oh, yeah. bad. But then what happens, you know, if you have a bad trip? I'm sure that can be really scary. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't call it a bad trip. Just as in life, there are challenging things that come up. It doesn't mean it's bad or good. It means that we're, we're faced with something and we get to see how we react to that thing, how we respond to that thing and how we move through that thing. I'm facing this with pregnancy right now. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about labor and delivery and it's an impending thing for me. It's coming. And, you know, and, um, and I, I get to decide, do I want my labor to be something that's scary and painful and challenging and hard? Or can it be euphoric and blissed out? And can I orgasm or can I, you know, have these crazy experiences that I'm, I'm hearing about that actually might not be so crazy? And so it's how we contextualize the experience first. Set and setting are everything, mindset and physical setting. And so if you go into it thinking, I might have a bad trip, you're going to create that experience for yourself. Um, so I have had a very challenging trip where, um, I did a, a hero's dose of mushrooms and this was actually at SLM, um, with my partner. And, you know, I think the, the things that came out of that trip for me, once, once I came out of that trip was knowing that I, that I could do it, knowing that I went through something like that with my partner and that we went through it together and we got out of it together. And seeing what came up in that dark space and and you know the veil is thin and when you do psychedelics you are you are inviting in energy that's out there that normally we can't see feel touch you know or any of that stuff and so when you when you lift this veil there are entities and there are spirits that are right there like waiting to pounce right and so you you in creating your your setting, you have to clear the space. You have to make sure it's good energy. You have to make sure you're going into an experience with a positive mindset because what you're bringing into it and what is around you affects your experience. I would say with the challenging trips, it's 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 not that it's a bad trip. It's it's that when something confronting does come up for you, you're able to actually witness it as the observer on psilocybin. Rather than like being in it, you're observant. Oh wow, there is this thing coming in or there's this experience coming up, you know, and you work through it and you just come out the other side. And I, for me at least, I felt so powerful and so strong coming out of that experience and knowing that my darkest of dark came up for me and that I was able to still go through it. I recently watched this documentary on Netflix about going on trips and just the use of psychedelics. And it, it was basically a bunch of like celebrities talking about their experience. And I think it was Sting who said that like no bad trip is actually a bad trip because he needed it every time. Like that was what he needed in the moment. And something I also found interesting is that across all the people who spoke, they all seem to think that after taking a psychedelic drug, they found the meaning to life. Like they just they had this revelation and they knew what the meaning was of life. But how is, how is that possible? Like through one, one experience taking a psychedelic, like how, 
how can someone feel like, okay, I know why I've been brought to this earth. I know why I'm here. I don't know if I knew my purpose and meaning, my first mushroom trip, but I knew the meaning of the universe, of our existence. I knew that energetically we are all one and there is no boundary between my body and your body and anything else that we're not separate. We're actually, we're fucking intertwined. Like we are so connected. We're enmeshed. And that's, that was for me what I realized. And my, my purpose has been revealed to me um, many times through mushrooms, but I also, I, I set an intention each time I go in with what it is that I want to see, what it is that I want to learn, and every single time I am shown without fail. And so, I, I, again, I think it's a very personal thing. If that's what you want to get from your mushroom trip, that's what you'll get from your mushroom trip. If you want to know your, your personal purpose and what you're meant to do, you will figure it out. The, the mushrooms will tell you. Um, and you will see it and you'll experience it and touch it and you will know. Um, it's just, they're, they're just so beautiful. I, you know, and I, I know people that don't like mushrooms and I've tried them and, you know, they get ill on them. Or I have a friend with a vasovagal reaction who almost died on mushrooms. He had a, a grand mal seizure and it was very scary. And so I've been through every experience of mushroom and what can potentially happen on a trip. And I think it is very important that you don't just go out there and try them. I'm not recommending anyone to just go out and have a mushroom trip on their own right now. Um, right. Really set, control the setting. I mean, on, in the documentary, they also said to not look in a mirror. I don't know if you'd have the same advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, set and setting, yes. There's also other things like what's in your belly? Have you been hydrated? A bunch of other things to go through. Um, but yes, yeah, so I actually had a beautiful experience with a mirror on a mushroom trip. What can happen though is, is you can you can get stuck like looking in the mirror and seeing your face and sometimes it will turn old or you'll see, you'll see like things morph and um, you know, being intimate with another human on mushrooms is the same thing. Like, you, I, I, my partner and I have tried, and it's just too weird looking at a face. It's very strange on mushrooms. I had an experience where I was, I was in Israel actually, and I was um, in Bereshit, which is this beautiful canyon, and I was staying in this amazing hotel room, and I was staring at myself in the mirror, and my eyes were the same, and I was just staring in my eyes, and my face was just changing, 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 changing to every single embodiment of human life that I had ever been on planet Earth, just shift, shift, shift. And it, it went on forever. And I couldn't blink. I couldn't look away from the mirror. And it was, it was a very profoundly beautiful experience for me. I went through like lifetime after lifetime, just all in one. So you can get lost in a mirror, but it also can be you know, beautiful. <laughs> well, it seems like if you're going into it with the right intention and the right mindset and you're doing it in a safe and controlled environment, it can be this very incredible out-of-body experience. But also now there's a lot of research around psychedelics and helping with mental health issues. And so how can the use of psychedelics help people overcome their clinical or severe depression or even, you know, past traumas. Yeah. Well, my partner had PTSD. He was in um, the special forces in the British military and he was in Afghanistan for many years. And, um, and psilocybin is what cured his PTSD. Um, and so I, I, I directly experienced that with him and it's, it's absolutely amazing and beautiful, but you know, also psilocybin is used for people who are terminally ill and they are, they are given psilocybin so that they can come to terms with death and they do. And it, and, and the, you know, statistics show that those people who are terminally ill and taking psilocybin and have that experience come out of it every time with 
less fear about death with an, an understanding about where they're going and about energetically they're not they're not dead you know it's a transition it's a different it's a different phase um, and so yeah depression um, anxiety around death and other things um, and traumas past traumas um, it can be huge I think oftentimes things are released when we have these experiences and I think the most important thing I've learned is that when things are released, whether it's a memory, a feeling, an emotion, is to not to not analyze it. Like, don't don't dig through your trash. In other words, when something comes up, just let it come up and go. You don't have to be like, why did that come up? And what is it? And where is it coming from? And what's all it? It doesn't matter. It's the same with yoga nidra. Like, your body is releasing something. Let it. Don't. Don't tear it apart, you know, don't butcher it, just let it go. Right. I mean, that reminds me of the whole concept around mindfulness, you know, experiencing these passing thoughts that go through your mind, but without any judgment and just letting it go kind of like a wave coming in to the shore and crashing and then going back out into the water, like seeing it, experiencing it, but just let it, letting it go. And again, I mean, obviously that's so much easier said than done, but I think there's all these parallels, it seems like between the use of psychedelics and also deepening your own yoga practice and, you know, developing your own yoga nidra. And I'd, I'd love for you to talk more about what yoga nidra is, because it seems like it's becoming more popular within the wellness community and within the yoga community. And I personally don't know a lot about yoga nidra. So I'd love to hear more about uh, your experience with it. Yeah. It, it came to me randomly. I had done a class or two with Jana Romer in Venice and she was having a training and one of my girlfriends was taking the training. So I just kind of jumped into it. Um, and I had loved my experience with Nidra, but I had, I had fallen asleep the first few times I did it. You know, it was like, welcome to Yoga Nidra and then please roll over and sit up and the practice is complete. And I was like, I, did I just pay 20 bucks for that? Because I just like nothing happened. And anyways, um, in the training, I, I was, my head was blown open and I, you know, I, there was a lot of information and it was, um, a lot of the people that were there too, it was challenging for me because they had been practicing for a long time and they had this like ownership to the practice and this aversion to people new being there who didn't understand what it was. And so there was a weird energy in my training. Um, and while I loved my teacher and my girlfriend that I was there with, I felt like I didn't necessarily absorb all that I wanted to absorb because I had my guard up. It felt like, but after I got out of the training and I really, I loved Nidra, I, I dove in head first. I, I started writing all my own Nidras. I did a script writing course for Nidra and, um, and I was like, this is, this is definitely something I want and I need in my life. And so I continued with it and I have continued with it ever since that day. Um, and I did an additional training with Joe Dispenza after the Nidra training that really, shaped my nidra much more. Joe is all about um, all about the quantum and all about um, accessing other dimensions to heal. And this is what yoga nidra is. And his teachings are so synonymous with kundalini and nidra that, you know, and I, I did a kundalini training as well. And so everything he said, I could just relate back to these ancient practices and weave them all together. And so it's these quantum technologies with this ancient practice of yogic sleep and the and the other the wisdom of you know the stars and astrology that's all infused into these cosmic nidras that I create and all inspired by Jana who was the first teacher I ever practiced with and and Joe Dispenza and so um, for me nidra 
Nidra basically walks you through the different layers of, of your body. In yoga, we have koshas, and so these, these koshas are like invisible layers. And so we go deeper and deeper and deeper into the deepest layer of beingness. And we were able to, in that space, allow the physical body to rest, and to rest in, in such a way, in such a deep way, that the subconscious mind is still awake and alert and taking in information, but the physical body is so, so relaxed that anything can be triggered, and it doesn't matter. It can just move right through it. And so this is also extremely helpful for PTSD and depression and trauma and other things like this. Um, what's really cool with Yoga Nidra and what Joe Dispenza has come out with in the last year or so is that when we can access the pineal gland, which is that little pine cone shaped gland between the two ventricles of the brain, the large ventricles and the, the center of the back, when you can access your pineal gland and actually pressurize it, so Joe teaches pulling energy up the spine, kundalini energy rising, right? And in Nidra, we also we reference the pineal gland all the time, accessing the pineal. And so if you can get that to a point where it's stimulated, there are these little crystals on your pineal gland. And stimulation could be because of the pressure of the cerebral spinal fluid filling the ventricles, which swell up and kind of you know touch on the pineal gland. And when that happens, the little crystals on the pineal gland are flipped from one side to the other, and they have a charge, a negative and positive end on them. So when they're flipped, it creates an electromagnetic charge within your own brain, your own like field of energy, basically. And this basically takes melatonin and converts it into a bunch of different derivatives. Melatonin is the sleep chemical that our body releases when it starts to get dark outside. And so one of the derivatives that is converted from melatonin is DMT. And DMT is the God chemical. It's the chemical that when we're born and when we die, our bodies, our bodies excrete. And so we can produce our own DMT through these transcendental meditative healing experiences and significantly alter the genetic makeup of our body. We can we can heal cancer. We can do we can really do anything. I mean, it's instant healing because your brain is so far beyond the normal like standard deviation bell curve of energy and of act activity. You're so far out there. You're like leagues and bounds beyond it that you're in what we call harmony, right? You're in this state of complete synchronicity where every single energy center is pulsing and moving exact same moments together. And so there's no disharmony in the body and no dis-ease can exist in that state. And so it just sort of sloughs off and disappears. And Nidra is also rooted in Sankalpa, which is, it's like an intention, but it's, it's a little bit more... Um, pointed because a sankalpa is something that really comes from deep within. It's something that you are wanting to embody or wanting to um, heal within yourself or just be. And so we, we take that sankalpa and we infuse it into the nidra as if it's already happened for you. And so um, that's another really powerful piece of the practice that differentiates, differentiates it from any other type of meditation experience. So our bodies have the power to, to do our own healing essentially yeah. through this practice. So how, how does one practice yoga nidra? It's, I think you mentioned that it's like yogi sleep essentially, but how does that, like, obviously you're, you're not sleeping during it. You're in this altered state of consciousness and sort of like deep meditative state. How do you actually practice yoga nidra? 
So it's something that you should practice with someone who's trained in doing. It's not something I would just say, like, go do a nidra by yourself, you know? Um, so there are lots of pre-recorded nidras. I record a different one every month um, based on astrologically what's happening and, um, you know, infusing those quantum technologies into it. So you can download them on my website, and all you have to do is just lay down, make sure that you're comfortable, and listen, and that's it. Um, and also, let's see, Insight Timer has a bunch of really good nidras on there. Um, Jan Romer has a bunch of good nidras. I think she's doing them attuned to the moon as her new website um, that she's got them on. There's a bunch of a bunch of awesome people out there teaching, so you can find them on different platforms. And mine are normally 30 to 40 minutes. So they're a little longer experience um, than, you know, a five to ten minute meditation that you might start with. Um, and, you know, that's nothing to be scared about because, again, you're just lying down and listening. So there's no barrier to entry. It's very easy. Um, and, yeah, it's just wonderful. It's, it's creative. And you get into this creative space and imaginative and um, it's really, it's a treat. It's a delight to have them. And I know on your website and on your Instagram, you talk a lot about like cosmic yoga nidra. And so there's like this tie between astrology and the yoga nidras that you have on your platform. So what is that connection? What does that look like? Yeah, well, so when I was practicing first, when I was doing yoga nidra and studying with Jana, she, that's, what she, that's how she taught us. She infused astrology into her nidras. And so then when I came out of the training and I experienced other nidras, I didn't like them as much. I... I felt like they weren't as potent and I didn't connect with them as much. And so I wanted to, I wanted to infuse astrology and I wanted to keep that feeling of being more connected to the rhythms and the cycles of what's happening in, in life and with, with, within the stars. And so um, I started to learn. I started to get all these crazy astrology books and I purchased a few trainings with Demetra George, who is an amazing astrologer. She's been doing it for years and she actually is based in Oregon as well. She's incredible. So I've done a couple trainings with her and then, um, yeah, and then just learning on my own and downloaded a, a software. It's called Astro Gold, which is, it was very challenging to learn at first, but um, really helped me quite a lot to, to be able to forecast and see what's coming astrologically. And then Joe Dispenza's training, you know, everything he teaches about the quantum fields and alternate dimensions and, and how to access those dimensions. And so infusing those technologies within, within the nidras as well, I think just... It really makes them much more potent. When I think of like energy or like quantum physics or topics that are just so beyond my understanding, I think about it as something being, being very external. But here it seems like these ideas or these energies exist within yourself. It's your inner knowing, your inner genius. You know, you're, when, when you do, are doing these practices, you're uncovering that. You're letting it, like we talked about your intuition, bam. These practices help you access your inner knowing. And we know everything. Like we really, we are knowing beings, but we get, we're like a light bulb that gets grime all over the top and the light doesn't shine through. We have to dust that shit off in order to like really get down to the, the pure, pureness of our essence and our, and our genius that we're born innately knowing these things. And so maybe we don't know the, the verbiage, but, but we feel them and we experience them and we know them to be true. And so it's giving yourself space to just dip into that, dip into your inner knowing and uncover that inner knowing and, and listen to it. And that's why these practices are so profound and, and useful. And it takes work too. I mean, I'm sure you can't just do one yoga nidra and then, 
you, you know, you have that experience So you have to really put in the effort and the time to do it consistently. And obviously, I mean, not making it like a chore, but because then I, I think it takes away the, the excitement of doing it when you, when you have something as a chore to do rather than, you know, incorporating into, into your routine and getting excited about it. I think when you're doing something like this consistently, then you can kind of achieve that understanding. Yeah. These are like delicious little treats. I mean, you know, as opposed to like my, my morning meditation practice, sometimes that can be challenging and I, I, and I know I have to do it and I sit my butt down on my cushion and I do it because for me, that's almost like brushing my teeth. And sometimes I have a really gratifying experience and sometimes I don't, but with Nidra, these are like like delicious treats for me, like very special sacred times. I'm like, oh, I get to do Nidra today, you know? I think I actually, I know Aloe, like the Aloe Yoga community has some sort of, you know, virtual Zoom classes a few times a month. And I did a tarot reading and I also did a Yoga Nidra and I really loved it. It was great. It was, yeah. I mean, I was, I was home. I had my parents home and I didn't really have like that quiet environment where I could like really settle into it. I, I did love the experience and I can kind of tell through our, our conversation and through the one time that I did it, like I can see how the consistent practice of it can be very beneficial and very eye-opening and very, you know, meditative. That's something I look forward to doing more. And I, I think, I guess, Aloe now is offering more types of classes like that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of Nidras on their platform. They're old now, but um, I think I recorded like three or four um, that are up there. So yeah, they, they've branched into the, into the meditative realm. I know there are a few other meditation um, programs on there and then um, like yoga for sleep and stuff like that. They're starting to kind of you know, fill out more the breadth and the width of their, their offerings. So. Right. And I mean, I, I've been trying to do more meditation. I used to have more of a meditation practice, but it's one of those things where you feel like you never have enough time, but you actually have time to sit down for at least five minutes a day and do it. So I've been trying to get back into my meditation practice and I've been doing Jackie Stewart's meditation and I've really been loving that. Okay, good. Yeah. It's, it's quick, like a 10 minute one. It's just, it feels very refreshing. And I think also, you know, even after this morning, when I did your circular flow class, I felt like I got the energy out and I was, I was ready to feel a bit more calm. Like I could sit and focus on in doing a meditation. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you start the morning doing a meditation and then like get into your practice later in the afternoon? Or what does like your yoga practice look like now, especially with everything being virtual. We have a meditation room basically right outside of our bedroom. So I try to like roll out of bed and roll right in there most mornings. And then sometimes I, I'm in meditate in the evenings as well and do two a day. Right now I'm on a one a day kick. My practice has been really interesting because I'm pregnant as well. And so um, I'm not doing as much yoga as I was and I'm not doing as big of yoga as I was. Um, I've been doing more um, like really lightweight, low impact stuff and a lot of, um, we have a, we have an assault bike in the garage. So I've been doing a lot of assault biking and walking in nature. So my body's needs are a little different than they used to be right now, but I'm teaching twice, twice a week classes live. Actually my next Yoga Nidra event, the Anima Mundi event is next weekend on Saturday. So if you want to come to that, it's through Live Kick and we have um, a live musician, her name's Radha and she is... Is she Daybreakers? Is that uh, I think she has done Daybreaker, but she, she runs and owns Bhakti Yoga Shala, her and her husband Govindas. Oh, okay. And um, they are the most amazing kirtan singers, and she's just, her voice is angelic, and I'm so excited to have her. So she's going to be singing 
for the um, the Anima Mundi event, which is 30 minutes of flow, and the flow is astro flow, so it's also you know whatever body systems are relevant for this Aries season, which Aries is all about the head, the head, you know everything associated with with this, and and we have a lot of Gemini energy as well this this season, so it's a lot about like thinking, communication, and changing your mind, and all of this stuff. But is that how? astrology is connected to yoga nidra like you're thinking about the different um astrological profiles and what they symbolize and how you can really incorporate that into the practice there's so many ways to incorporate it you can think about it elementally like aries is fire um and mars it's ruled by mars and so these are both very fiery action oriented um energies and so you can infuse that into the nidra or you can think about it in terms of the body systems that are ruled by the specific um by the specific sign of the zodiac. So Aries season is the head. Um, or, you know, sometimes it's like the endocrine system or different things like that. And so you can work with that energy. Um, or also looking at the whole season of Aries and seeing astrologically what's actually happening this season. And, you know, for this, for our Aries season, we're entering on Saturday along with the spring equinox. There's a lot of Gemini energy and there's also a lot of Piscean energy. And so Gemini is the twin. It's the two-faced, you know, and so what what comes with that with Aries is like Aries wants to make a decision. They want to do it now. They want to be decisive and they want to go go like you know make things happen. And Gemini is like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna do this. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe do that. And they can't decide. My brother's a Gemini. And my baby might be a Gemini. <laughs> I know them very well. And so you know, it's infusing. You can infuse that into the into the practice. There are lots of different ways that you can access the astrology and the potency of those um, those teachings and, and those energies that we're experiencing and bring them into the nidra. So that's why I love writing them because they're so creative. They take me days, sometimes weeks to write. There's so many different directions that you can go with them and yeah, lessons that you can weave into them. It's very exciting. That's very fascinating. Where can my followers check out your yoga nidra offerings and your classes and everything that you, you know, you've built with your brand? So I teach live classes and my Anima Mundi events for Yoga Nidra are once a month for, for each new astrological season. So the next one is on the 27th, next Saturday at 11.11 p.m. and that's Pacific Standard Time. Um, this is on Livekick's platform. And Livekick is where I'll be teaching my live classes and these Anima Mundi events. And then for my Nidras, I record just the, um, the verbal component of the Nidra. And I put that recording on my website for you to download. So we actually just put the whole Zodiac calendar from 2020 to 2021 up um, to download at a discounted price. So you can get all 12 recordings from last year's Zodiac um, up until Pisces. And now we're heading into Aries, which is the first house, the you know the cardinal sign, the, the beginning of the Zodiac. So we're starting over again. But yeah, so all those recordings are on my website. I will soon be launching my own app, which I'm really excited about. And Congratulations. That's really, really exciting. Yeah, so I'll have all my own content on that app. I'll have all my meditations on the app. I'm creating a prenatal program right now that I'm going to launch with that app as well. And there will be also a postnatal program when I get to that phase um, <laughs> too. So lots of stuff coming along with the Nidras for the um, full experience. I'm actually releasing an aura spray in collaboration with a company called Calyx Collective. Um, and it's all wild crafted, sustainably harvested essential oil ingredients for the aura spray. And I'm also working on an Ayurvedically dyed eye pillow and shawl. So the shawl would be raw silk, something that you can wear, but also use as a blanket for the nidra. 
and then the eye pillow as well. So those will be coming out probably within the next two months, I'm guessing. So many exciting things on the horizon for you. Wow. That is incredible. I'm very excited to see everything come to fruition and to see your app, you know, be developed and be launched. I'm very excited for, for all this to happen for you. And my followers, they can find you at Kaylee Alyssa on Instagram. And yep. your website is www.kayleealyssa.com. It's all just Kaylee Alyssa. Very easy. <laughs> awesome. And they should all take your yoga class and practices on the Aloe Moves platform. I love all of what you have to offer and everything that Aloe Moves has. So definitely check that out. Kaylee, it was so wonderful having you come onto the podcast. One final question that I have for you that I ask every guest is what is something that brings you a bit of endorphins every day? Gosh, right now my dog, <laughs> he brings me such joy. He's going through heart failure. And so every day I wake up that he's, and he's still with me. I, I crawl over to him in my bed and I just get all the kisses and I give him all the kisses and I look at him and I say, we get another day together and it's just like right now that's my high that's like what's keeping me going is this little guy sticking around for a little bit longer so that's so beautiful i'm sorry to hear your dog is heart failure i yeah. hope you enjoy the last few moments that you do have with him but animals do bring a lot of joy so that's a wonderful yeah. answer yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you so much kaylee Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please follow, rate, review Everyday Endorphins on whichever listening platform that you use to stream my episodes. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.